HR professionals, business owners, and operations at all levels are struggling to figure out what needs to change. Our system has been shocked, practices have been questioned, and conversations are finally happening. We all know there has been a huge shift in what people want. Inclusion and diversity are common phrases, but often misunderstood. Generations are coming together more than ever on what's important. Mental health has been brought to the forefront of everyone's mind. Let's humanize these conversations. Let's talk about what's important for employees to be successful in life and at their job, and how companies can create an environment to allow them to do both. Because successful people will make up a successful workforce. I'm Leanne Lovely. Let's get this conversation started. Today, we are talking with Michelle Price, a lifelong entrepreneur who has held all types of leadership roles, CEOs, CMOs, COOs, in six plus different businesses across multiple industries over 35 years, and who now serves as a leadership advisor and a communication strategist for CEOs, senior leaders, and business owners. As a human behaviorist, she brings you a unique lens to developing your leadership skills. Michelle, thank you so much for joining me today. I am excited to talk with you. Thank you for having me. I'm glad to be here. So why don't you start off by um, telling my audience and the audience a little bit about yourself and what you do? Well, so for label-wise, I'm a leadership advisor and a communication strategist. And that all comes from having a 40-year arc in business across multiple roles. So entrepreneur, CEO, COO, CMO. And as I've sat in each one of those decision-making roles, it allowed me to acquire a really deep well of knowledge over the years with each business, because I've had six plus businesses over that 40-year arc, that's now become a, a beautiful bevy of wisdom to tap into. And because, hello, it was the 70s when I started, I've seen a lot of change in history and have a lot of lived experience as a woman in business. And one of the things that happened to me when I was in my 50s was I said, God, I wish I had known this, this, and this in my earlier years. And so as I was contemplating what I wanted to shift into, and out of, you know, I wanted to close down my marketing agency, um, being a fractional chief marketing officer, because marketing is 24 mm seven. -hmm. I don't care how you try to play the hours is 24 seven. And I didn't want to be doing that kind of lifestyle into my sixties. And so as I'm contemplating, you know, where do I go at this phase and cycle of my life, knowing that no matter how old I get, my brain has always been business, even when I was a little girl. It's taken all of the actions over time for me to see origins of where my brain was always thinking and the cores of business. Um, and so when I was contemplating, what does that change need to look like? I, I had those kind of conversations with myself. I was like, all right, what, what would I like to have known when I was younger? And how can I help other women, no matter which phase of growth they're in, so that they can achieve what they want to achieve without all the resistance that can come along with having either one, their own conditioning, you know, things that have been conditioned by family or society, or two, the oppressive kind of conditioning that can be placed on women just because of our gender. Interesting. That well said, first of all, because you are, you're, you're very right. When I, you know, I sit here in my, in my forties and I think, wow, if I would have known or somebody would have, and you can't just simply tell somebody, you can't just simply go and say, here, let me tell you what, but you can you can help con coach and consult with somebody and say, let me 
help guide you through some of this to help them come to an understanding of what, especially with somebody who's so experienced as you, and help them see things clearer, especially as as a younger entrepreneur, younger, not even entrepreneur, but somebody who's in business who wants to level up. Because had I known what I know now in my late 20s, I, you know, I, I feel like I could have been so much farther. However, there's also the, had I not gained some of the knowledge throughout my, my thirties, you know, because my thirties was a huge, probably the biggest growth period for me. But if I would have had somebody coaching me like you, maybe that growth period would have been half of what it was. And maybe I would have been able to get where I am now in half the time. And maybe been able to overcome some of those hurdles that either I put up on my own, of my own, um, because of my own conditioning of thinking that I couldn't do it, or because somebody told me in my past I wasn't capable of doing it. Or, you know, the whole, what is that? Um, what is that? I can't think of the phrase right now. Um, or because just the way that society makes you, you know, feel as a, or the way that even, even your job makes you feel of, oh yeah, I'm not, I'm not good enough to do that. But if you have somebody who's been there, done that saying, Yes, you are capable of overcoming that hurdle. Um, that would have made all of the difference in being able to make that growth period for me exponentially shorter. And there's something I'd like to add in here that I hear people say that I'm, I, as listeners are listening today, I'm going to challenge them to ask a different question. Because usually what they say to us when we say, I could have been in such a different place had I known all these things, the comeback phrase is, yeah, but you wouldn't have learned what you've learned and then everything would have changed. I'm like, okay, stop diminishing. It can be both. I can still have learned those things without all the extra challenges. There's an assumption in that statement that if I didn't go through all that turmoil, I wouldn't have learned the lesson. Bullshit. Mm-hmm. No, I, I agree with that. I, um, <laughs> I'm going to use a really bad example, but so on Monday, I broke my finger. Now, I was wondering what happened yeah. to your hand. <laughs> uh, so, and my, this was a huge learning experience, not for me, because I knew as soon as I did it, I went, oh my God, how stupid does one person have to be to be rushing and then close their, their car door on their pinky to the point where I actually had to open my car door in order to get it out. My daughter was standing there when it happened. So this is not a learning experience for me. This is a learning experience for my daughter. So I'm dropping her off at school. I close my door on my pinky. I have to pretend that I'm perfectly fine because she sees and she hears the noise that comes out of my mouth, which was very muffled. I managed to make it, you know, non-eventful for all of the other kids around. And she says, Mommy, are you okay? Yep, I'm perfectly fine. Go to school. Have a great day. Meanwhile, I jump in my car. My entire hand is shaking and I'm holding in this, you know, what I want to do is scream out, you know, all the words that are colorful is, is so I, I get home. I should have gone to the hospital, but I don't realize at this point how bad it is because I'm just holding it in. She gets home from school. The learning that I now go into, I says, I, I say to my daughter, Skylar, this morning, mommy was in a huge rush and I wasn't paying attention to what I was doing. And so what I did was I was holding onto the door and I closed the door and mommy's finger was in it. Oh, and I said, and I wasn't paying attention 
And so my finger got stuck in the door. Oh, I said, so because I wasn't paying attention, I hurt myself. Oh, I said, so, you know, when mommy tells you that you need to pay attention to what you're doing? Yeah. I said, that's why. So from that, you know, I turned my stupid broken finger from a car door into a learning lesson. She doesn't need to break her finger to learn from that experience. We don't all have to go through the pain to learn something. If it's explained to us in a way that we can get something out of it. Not everybody has to, to, you know, go through the pains if they are willing to receive the information. But again, that, that comes back to the mindset. Are you willing to receive the information and learn from it? Or are you of the, the mindset that you have to go through the pain in order to learn from it? Because there are people. Sometimes it depends on the cycle of learning you're in as well. Yes. Because that's where it's important for whoever is your advisor to pay attention to where are they in the learning cycle? And am I trying to make them quantum leap too big? And I absolutely agree. I absolutely agree. Um, but, but you're, when you make that statement of, oh, well, you know, I had to have lived through the, no, not every time, not every time, not everybody has to break their finger to realize that they shouldn't put their hand in the door when they close it. <laughs> you know, there are plenty of, plenty of examples, plenty of people out there that can walk them through, you know, here's what happens if, but we can, we can make it better or we can do things different because the outcome could be this versus this. And so, you know, perfect timing to have a broken finger to give that example. (laughs) (laughs) And note to my listeners, please make sure you don't close your, you know, car door on your pinky finger because it's unpleasant. It hurts like a mofo. (laughs) Oh my God. Oh jeez. Yeah. So tell me when you work with somebody, um, or actually before I ask that, so do you typically work with individuals or do you sometimes, or do you not sometimes, do you engage organizations? How do you, how do you engage people and how do you work with them? It's both. Okay. Um, I've probably been more word, 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 probably been more of like that's not the right word i haven't been as active in going after quote like uh company type engagements they're showing up though and um and and i love how i've taken a little more of um oh backseat's not a good analogy i've taken just a little more of a relaxed attitude towards who do I want to engage with company-wise? Because I've watched a lot of my colleagues get really burned out by trying to, quote, sell a company on something, and they say they want to make those changes, and then they go in there and they fight them tooth and nail. And so I've taken a more relaxed approach to it and paid attention to who, who are, which kind of goes back to what we talked about on the the lesson curve cycle mm-hmm. where are they really in um their knowingness and their willingness to make the change what i find is so for example everything that leads my actions my questions my decisions and my actions comes from <clears throat> my statement and of of purpose that I want to accomplish this last phase or third phase of life. And that is, I want to see 75% underrepresented voices at all decision-making tables everywhere. I don't care if that's local government, national, global government. I don't care if that's small business, regional businesses, big business. I don't care where. But the entire community needs to be at the decision-making tables. We're already seeing 
the outcomes of them not being there. So when you think about it from that direction, what I find is I have chosen to focus on working with individuals who want to be able to lead from that kind of place and energy and want to have that kind of impact and our purposes and values align. And now what I'm finding that even though I have a really heart-driven desire to work with women in business, whether they own their own business or their, their business leaders inside of companies, I jokingly said, and this is, this is, the, this is the funny part, when we always say don't, um, don't give a throw down or a dare to the universe, <laughs> I jokingly said last summer, how funny would it be if I ended up working with a bunch of male allies? Now, while I've built my business around women in leadership, guess who's starting to hold their hands up? Men. Male allies. And some of them have been in government. Some of them have been in business. Mm -hmm. I'm letting it organically grow, just like a garden, from people who either see from conversations online and they resonate and something pulls them to reach out and want to work with me, or they hear from somebody that they know, like, and trust. And they're like, you know, I know you've been talking about blah, 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 blah. And I'm going to tell you right now, I've been working with this gal for six months and here's what I've learned about me. You, you, you can't do it any better than that. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, it's not my goal to be word, word, word. And I say that a lot because as I've, as I've become more conscious of my ADHD, instead of forcing myself, that's my anchor to my brain to go, give me the word I need. Right. <laughs> I've become more conscious of being a good receiver. Mm -hmm. So often leaders some of their biggest lessons come from what I call the yin side of the lesson. Mm -hmm. Yes, we need to be decisive. Yes, we need to be good, great decision makers. But how good are we at listening and how good are we at receiving? We've already seen the toxic outcome of push action and push leadership that only comes from, here's what I think we need to do versus all right you all tell me what are you experiencing knowing that we're all on the same page of what we're trying to accomplish in the business and then after you've heard that information now you have enough data to add yours in and start problem solving but if you're solving if you think you're solving something from just your perspective you're missing 99% of the data that's there to help you. Right. Interesting. And, and so I want to go back, um, organically growing your allies and, and, and I'm, I'm sorry, I'm thinking. So you have more men reaching out to you. And despite the fact that you, you you've, you're vocal about you want to help women, why do you think that is? So that's that's only happened in the past, I'd say, three months, and so shorter time span to give um, any kind of pattern to it. But I'm what I really think um, timing wise. So where we are in the world right now. And the kind of conversations that are even happening on LinkedIn, which, you know, had always been the stuffier social media platform, people are starting to finally recognize those of us like myself who've been talking about individual versus collective energy for years, they're starting to finally understand it. They're starting to finally see the repercussions of what happens when we all take individual actions and how that contributes to us as a whole. 
And so because they're seeing that and they're feeling it in a really visceral way with the challenges uh, that's happening in business, with the challenges that are happening in government, Mm -hmm. and then with the challenges that are happening socially, as well as our climate change, it's literally happening in every phase of life. This is where someone like myself, who's always operated from an indigenous lens, brings some really cool questions and ability to assess things from a really different perspective and people are noticing. So do you think that, do you think that, um, that some of these individuals are strategically reaching out to somebody who is, and, and here's historically, I would say that a lot of people reached out to somebody who is like-minded and this is what the problem, you know, where a problem, you know, was, let me go find a coach who is like-minded. Okay. Well, what is that going to do? They're going to align with you on your decisions. They're going to align with you on the way that you think. How are they going to help you grow, right? If I want to find a coach, I want to find a coach that aligns with my morals, with my ethics. But I also want to find a coach who is going to help push me to think a different way, which means if you know, in reality, why don't I go find a coach that is of a different background, a maybe a male coach, maybe even um, have a different ethnical or um, ethnic background, mm-hmm. um, it, because then they come from a total different, you know, even upbringing would then allow me to to be exposed to somebody who could teach, could consult on helping me open my mind to different ideas. So I'm going to guess that males are reaching out to you because they see that not only are you brilliant, but you're a woman who may be able to help them understand their female counterparts better, help them shift their mindset better, and be more open to ideas that they themselves, just simply because of biology and and proven that men and women do not necessarily always think the same, same as somebody, you know, somebody who is of a different you know, race bring, and it's proven, bring different ideas because simply of our upbringing, we think differently. We, we come with different ideas we have, and that's what makes it so beautiful when we allow the underrepresented at the table, we are able to create new ideas. And so it would make sense that they are reaching out to you because they want to grow. So I applaud them. Um, and if it's not for that, then it would be based solely on your on your credentials, which again, you should be proud either way, right? Thank you. So, I mean, and good for you for taking on you know, clients who are not necessarily what you originally sought out for, but, you know, well, I'm a salesperson. Take on clients. <laughs> well, yeah. So there's some clients I'm not willing to take on. Yeah. No, I, and, and I, I, I totally agree. There are some clients that I'm, um, you know, that I would not be willing to take on that I'm not willing to take on either. So, so that's, I I find that very interesting. Um, I I find that wildly interesting because it is, um, it, it is important that, you know, you don't, that somebody who's looking for somebody like you, that they assess how they are choosing that person. 
and that you're not just simply choosing somebody who is going to give you all of the yep I agree with that you're doing that right and if it's somebody they already who's... have plenty of yes men inside their company they don't need another one Correct. that's why they're in the position they are correct and in all fairness a lot of times their employee or or the people they've put in managing and leading roles aren't to blame because they haven't rewarded them for the things that allowed them to give them any kind of pushback. Mm-hmm. So let's, let's talk, let's dive a little bit deeper into, you know, how do you help develop these individuals and these organizations? What is the actual work that you do with them? Um, let's, let's dive deeper into that. That, that, that can change so much because of the fact that everyone's in a different place. And all right, so here's the difference in how I do that. I know a lot of people who are either doing leadership advisory or they're doing some type of change management, change training. They just go in with a formula, they teach their formula and they exit. That is not how I offer. I'm much more focused on let's assess who do you think you are right now? How aligned is that with who you want to be? What are your actual core strengths and weaknesses? So I do a lot of work using archetypes. And so we start diving into that. And because I am a master question asker and I'm fully in tune with all of my senses, it's why I'm able to be a live lie detection machine. And when people aren't answering with something that's a hundred percent yes, I've honed my skill well enough to use questions to help narrow in and elicit down to where the challenge is, where the misalignment is. So it's much more intricate. It's not, um, it's not, you know, we're going to do ABC and everyone's going to use this workbook and, you know, then we'll talk about it. You know, that, that reminds me of where therapy went wrong too. Mm-hmm. Oh boy, did I put my foot in it, but Hey, you know, I'm used to, I'm used to stimulating people to have the hard questions. Right. And those are the people who really enjoy working with me is the fact that I am willing to have the hard conversations with them, but it's not just from a straight confronting position. I also have the energy and the training to be able to hold the space and use masterful questions to allow them to start seeing things for themselves, of themselves, in themselves, in that moment. They literally have breakthroughs just from conversation. That's amazing. So it, it really, it really is that you, you customize, it's customized to each individual. Yeah. You, you don't have a, you know, like some of the large, you know, an action coach, some of the large, you know, coaching programs out there. There's not a, like, here's a proven program that you work with individuals. It's really a matter of going in and having real authentic conversations and, and calling people out on their bullshit and saying, okay, no, you may. And sometimes people don't even realize that they're bullshitting themselves. Um, and being and, able to do it in a way where it's not judgmental or shaming. Right. That's really, really important. People are not going to open up to the components of where the emotional the emotional line is in a problem if you don't have the capacity to actually do that and that's where i see a lot of people they don't have the capacity to do that type of work and leaders need someone who have that capacity Mm -hmm. because 
you can handle things from a surface or an intellectual basis, but you're never going to get to the core of the problem if you don't know how to do the emotional work. And there's a difference between someone who's masterful at being able to do each layer of work, whether it's mental, intellectual, spiritual, emotional, um, and, and um, someone who's a therapist. You only need a therapist when you're having true mental health issues that are outside of the realm of you doing your inner work. So many times though, people, word, 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 they, they give up their responsibility for doing their own inner work mm -hmm. and label it, well, I just need to go see a therapist. Well, okay. So tell me, how do you actually, how, how do you do your own emotional regulation? What, what are you doing um, from a spiritual basis? that allows you to really know who you are. Right. Because a therapist isn't going to be able to help you do those things. Those that's your journey. But there's a lot of people that don't. Um, and this is a generational thing. This, this truly is a generational thing. Um, it, suppress, 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 suppress. Um, now the, the generation that's coming up, um, parents, you know, got smarter because there wasn't that, you know, suppress emotions, suppress emotions. Um, you know, it wasn't, you know, boys don't cry, um, kind of generational thing, but you know, and, but there is this generational thing of you don't experience emotions. It's not okay to cry, you know, suck it up, rub some dirt on it. That was, that was, you know, a generation. Now I, we're, I'm lucky the kids coming up are lucky. You know, my daughter will throw a fit and I'll say to her, it's okay to, you know, it's okay to be upset. It's not okay to hit, throw, you know, or the actions in which she has from the emotion that she's experiencing. So we've, we figured out that emotion is good, you know, but now we need to figure out the reaction or the whatever you're doing. We just need to hone in on that. But so generationally, we had a group of people, a large, you know, especially the baby boomers and some of the generations after that was suppress emotion. Don't show people that you're, you know, don't cry in front of people. It's inappropriate. Why? Cry. If you're, I can if tell you why. Because uh, one of the things I would really like everybody to stop doing is continuing to place a lot of blame on boomers in only because it doesn't serve you. It doesn't serve the collective. What's happened is people generationally have been traumatized. And so like we were talking about earlier where research, you know, so research goes in cycles like mm -hmm. anything else. And so, so this is coming from an indigenous lens. From an indigenous lens, our focus is always about self-actualization first, because a self-actualized person can contribute to the community. Everybody has a role and everybody is respected. Mm -hmm. when, when we live in times where people don't have that spiritual thread or component as part of their life, and instead aspects of spirituality have morphed into religion, which has been, we can historically see how it's been used to control mm -hmm. people. Then you have severed their connection to a huge piece of who they are. Mm -hmm. And so anytime someone has a severed connection in any area of their life, that's a trauma. Mm -hmm. And if we haven't rewarded them or given them the tools to need in order to reconnect and become full again, then we're part of the problem. Mm -hmm. And so what I'm seeing is this ping pong game that happens with generations because it's the easy thing to do. It's easy to blame our parents or our grandparents. And, and, without, I'm, and I'm not saying you're doing it, yeah, but it, without taking into consideration 
the time, the tools, and whether they were rewarded or punished for trying to find the answers to heal themselves. Right. And I'm, and I'm not, there is absolutely, just, just to clarify, I am not blaming any generation for, I'm simply saying that there was a um, lack of understanding and education in the years past to, to truly right. understand that, that emotions are not bad, but they're for some uncomfortable. And therefore, in the past, it was, if you need to cry, go in your room and hide. And men especially. But that was how we were punished. That that is how groups of people saw that if you can control people from an emotional basis, if you can suppress them, Mm -hmm. then we can control and manipulate them, which is why in some of my headers, I don't know if I have it on LinkedIn anymore, but I believe it's still Twitter or whatever that thing is called now, um, that emotions are data. For better decisions. Mm-hmm. And and now that we are in a state where we're understanding that while emotions may be messy, but they're they're necessary. They're necessary for learning. They're necessary for decision making. They're necessary for for so much. We we are one. Obviously, we're we're going through this huge huge mental health. Pan- like I don't want to say pandemic but huge mental health like issue because people are finally going I need to feel the way I need to feel and everybody is just feeling this overwhelming like sense of dread especially with what the world experienced blah 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 but that's going to balance out because now we're yeah, aware it's a point of evolution yeah mm-hmm and we're going to balance we're going to balance out because now we're saying it's okay to feel that way feel it get through it experience what you need to experience and then thrive and and one day it's going to balance out and get some of these kids off of these drugs hopefully <clears throat> and, and and again i'm not i'm not an anti-drug person trust me i have bipolar disorder my audience knows that i i in order to man- manage that, I take medication, blah, blah, blah. Anyways, so it's just, it's so messy. We're in such a state of complete mess right now. Um, But I do truly see that there's going to be a balance on the other side. One day, we're going to come to a little bit more of a balance on all of that. We're, it's just so strange. Such a strange time in, in history nature too hmm? there are cycles and phases in nature yes yes so this is one of the things that i usually have to bring up from an indigenous lens to help give people an anchor point of where they can hold on to and attach cope and understand and ask themselves additional or different questions and so yes we're going through a lot of things as a collective right now the questions I'd offer people to start asking themselves is where am I in the phase and the cycle of growth? So if we, if we're going to pick, let's say, let's pick a a nature growth cycle of a butterfly. Am I in the caterpillar stage? Mm -hmm. Am I in the pupa stage or am I about to emerge? And now I'm about to actually transmute and transform into something else. And so when you use questions to start assessing where you're at, then it allows you to anchor in on that and one, stop blaming and shaming yourself because you're not, because you're in a different phase Mm -hmm. than where maybe you mentally or emotionally feel you are. Mm -hmm. If you're in the pupa stage where you're supposed to be liquefied and before you start growing into that next thing which allows you to become a, a butterfly stop shaming yourself for being in that phase instead start asking yourself different questions cool so now that i'm going down into this liquid state what are going to be the additional additional opportunities or possibilities that i'll want to tap into so as i go in this morph phase i actually get to become more of what i'd like to be right that's that. And wow, you make a very valid point. Like 
And people, I think, forget that sometimes reframing the question or having a, a question altogether that's different um, can really change your outlook. Yeah, because when I hear people state that they're overwhelmed, that that just means that this is the focus instead of this. Mm-hmm. So if we use questions to go, okay, so not that. Okay, so not that. Oh, and people can't see us. We're on video. So I'm holding my right. hands wide out. And I'm saying, okay, overwhelm is a wide out lens. Every right. time we ask questions, we narrow that lens until right. it becomes a point where it's more of a laser. And then we're getting meaningful answers and we can take actions from that. Absolutely. And and as entrepreneurs, as in, people that entrepreneurs or people who are very high, you know, decision makers within businesses, it, it's sometimes that overwhelming, you can feel it come on where all of a sudden you are accomplishing nothing. And then as you focus in and that becomes, that focus becomes that pinpoint, you can feel that overwhelming feeling just fall away when you go, now I know my purpose. I know exactly what I need to accomplish. And all of a sudden you don't feel that overwhelming. And once you get one project done, you can go, okay, now I can move on to the next and I can move on to the next. But it's hard when you're in that point of, oh my God, what do I have to do? I've got so much to do. I don't even know where to begin. Okay, we'll stop. What is the most important thing today? Well, that's where the value of having an advisor Correct. can help you anchor into what's really happening. Yep. Help you use different questions in that, that you're using at that moment. And therefore you make um, what I call a faster or quicker progress. And and it's hard. Um, it, it's hard. In, I have people in my life where I'll call and I'm like, I don't even know where to start. Like I've got so many things to do. I don't even know where to start. And, and they're like, okay, what is the most important thing today? What do you have to do right now that is either revenue generating or extremely important? You know, you have to hone in on what is the most important thing today right now? Well, yeah, I can tell you that it's this. Okay, go do that. Oh, I can do that. Okay, call me when you're done. Oh, okay. And it's just, it's like, why can't I figure that out on my own? Because you're so overwhelmed that your brain doesn't have the capacity to just think like that at that moment. So sometimes having a coach, having an advisor to just be like, yep, we just need you to click back into your brilliance you can't on your own because your brain is whirling and especially when you have bipolar disorder or ADHD or <laughs> which adds another level of funness to the game, right? Yes, it does. And you know, it's interesting too, because people are starting to finally understand when I talk about this other thing and that's collective energy. Um, there's now that science is catching up to spirituality, especially indigenous spirituality. Um, people are starting to finally have more of an intellectual understanding of this. But if you've not been, so kind of like when you learn how to dance. Now, when you learn how to dance in the beginning, are you going to be able to go out and do all of the different types of dances? Nope. No. It takes time to learn each one. And then when you learn each one, you actually can do what's that thing where where people can actually just go up and make something. Someone puts on a record and they just go out and make improv. Im- oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But that 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 all takes time. Mm-hmm. Same thing. When we're in a phase right now of collective evolution, in other words, that means we're all being activated by the same thing at the same time, and that's where some of the highly motivated um, uh, emotional um, energy is coming from right now. If your spiritual journey has not been one who knows how to transmute that energy, it's going to be overwhelming. Mm -hmm. And so I remind everybody as well, when you're feeling overwhelmed, when you understand your emotional components, it's a lot easier for you to, again, use questions and go, okay, what, 
what have I learned about myself that helps ground me? Go do that. Then once you're grounded, go, is the, are these my emotions or are these someone else's emotions? Mm-hmm. And, that- and I literally give clients a whole list of questions to ask themselves. And a lot of times we customize those questions to who they are in order to help center them and bring them to a place where they can start taking action. But I also want to remind everybody, it's normal when the collective is going through something as significant as we are right now to feel overwhelmed. So stop shaming yourself for it. Right. Instead, ask yourself, what do I need to learn about myself that allows me to center and ground myself so this doesn't take me off my path so easily? Right. Yes. And I would love to continue this conversation, but we are coming to time. And I want to ask you the question of the season, and I'm excited to hear what you have to say. Um, The question of the season, what do you think will go down in the history books from what the world has experienced over the last three years? I can't give a date, but we will come to a transmutation where when we look back, as a people and as individuals, we're, we're going to look back and go, why did we fight ourselves so hard? We were all right there on the precipice of being self-actualized and being in touch with who we are as people, as individuals, as well as the goodness that's in us as a collective. Why did we fight ourselves and each other so hard. We were right there. You know, for the first, for the first time, um, and, and you are a a highly empathetic human, um, very much an empath. Um, you know, just in talking with you and, and, and hearing, you know, and, and again, for the audience, I, um, Michelle and I were introduced through a past, um, guest and her and I have not had a ton of time to really talk with each other. This is really the first conversation that her and I have had. And so I just wanted to put that out, but out there, but in, in talking with you, Michelle, you, you just really, I can tell that you are, um, very in tuned with not only yourself, but with other people. And, in talking with you, as I'm sitting here, I'm having this like flash, and this is my own weird brain. I have like flashes of like pictures of, of things in my head of like, um, I'm a visual person. And, and as we're talking, I, I feel like I'm, I'm seeing this like, almost like a, um, like I'm standing on top of the clouds and I'm looking down at a tornado and in, into the center of it. Right. Um, and I, and I feel like that's, that's where we're at, where we're in the center of the tornado as, as everything, you know, is, is colliding together with, when it comes to the state of, I, I don't know that, I'm not explaining this well, I don't know that we've ever in history had a pandemic, the, um, well, no, we haven't had all of this collide since, you know, we haven't had a pandemic since, you know, way back in anyways let me finish we had the pandemic we had you know everything that's happening with the economy we had a president (laughs) um you know the the political unrest we've had all of the stuff happening with the race wars all of the technology booming you know going through the roof with all of the things that are colliding all at once just it to me it's like this tornado of things at all and we haven't gotten out of it you know we still have all of these other these other things that are contributing to this like tornado and I feel like there's going to come a time just like you just said you don't know the date but there's going to come a time that people are going to look back at this and go oh my god the world spun so far forward and they experienced so much in such a short period of time, which I think is why we're fighting it. Because people don't know, they don't know how to handle so much happening in such a short period of time. Maybe by the time my daughter is 
an adult, she's going to be the one that goes, why did they fight that? Why? I don't understand. Because she will finally be of the mindset of, yeah, that's how change happens, right? But for you and me, change is not supposed to happen that fast. I mean, it took, when did you get your first cell phone, Michelle? Oh, so I was one of the, I was, I've been an early adopter in almost every form. So I got it when it was like the really big thing. Right. So, so did I, I mean, I got, I got a cell phone and it was, you know, I'm my hands, it was the huge, you know, the, the, you had a green lettering on it. It was an ugly, huge phone. You had to get a bigger purse just to carry it around. It had its own little bag that it zipped up in. in a oh, okay. You, you had the, the bag phone. You actually had the bag phone. Okay. So how long did it take from getting the bag phone to having a computer in your pocket? Years, years and years and years because then we went through you know the flip phones we went through you know the blackberry to it was years until we actually had phones that were now computers that's how change happens it doesn't happen where one day you're working in an office and the next day you become a remote employee doing all of your meetings online but that's what happens. Well, sometimes history interferes and, and causes it to happen faster. Yeah. So excellent answer. Um, I did not expect to m ramble on, but I just, you, you had such an, an amazing answer. So Michelle, if somebody wanted to get a hold of you, um, how would they go about doing that? You know, the best way to get a hold of me is on LinkedIn. So literally linkedin.com, Michelle Price. I made sure I got my name. <laughs> No initials, nothing. Michelle Price. Excellent. With and, one L. And that will be um, in the show notes. So somebody can um, just go right to the show notes and click there and the, the link will be there. So Michelle, thank you so much. This has been an amazing conversation. I could talk to you for hours. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Thank you again for listening to Let's Talk HR. I appreciate your time and support. Without you, the audience, this would not be possible. So don't forget that if you enjoyed this episode, to follow us, like us, or share us. Have a wonderful day.